All for one and one for all. United we stand, divided we fall. Alexander Dumas, The Three Musketeers. We are each other's harvest. We are each other's business. We are each other's magnitude and bond. Gwendolyn Brooks. Mm. Chaos is merely order waiting to be deciphered. Jose Saramago, The Double. I think little by little I'll be able to solve my problems and survive. Frida Kahlo. Anyway, I'm going to go play some Skyrim. Wait, no. I thought we were going to go get some lunch. I'm not really hungry. We're starving. We? You don't know me like that. You don't know how much milk I like in my cereal. None. We're vegan. I, I'm a vegan. Me! Independent human! All right, all right. We're acting crazy. Let's just sit down and have some lunch. Fine, fine. Wait, no! I'm going to go for a walk and, and get out of this crazy house! We're sorry, We're afraid we can't let you do that. What's going on here? You are policing. Goodbye. Goodbye. Wait. No! Space Odyssey yep. and the weakest link yep. in that one. Uh, good. Sure. That's, that's fine, <laughs> normal, everything's great. Uh, welcome to the Get Commanded <laughs> podcast by the Greensboro Commander community. It's the GCP by the GCC and POG, Palms Off Gaming, sponsor of this podcast. We're all uniting forces to help you to have better games of Commander. I'm your host, Walt. And hello, Commander players. I'm your other host, James. And we will forever protect our uh, writing process for these weird skits that we do. <laughs> the writing process is actually just setting up a microphone in our house. Yeah, that's I it. don't I don't write mine. Do you write yours? No. No. Well, that's, no, no, no. No, that's not... What are you talking about, James? No, this the, all the law in the Get Commanded universe yeah. is real, including yeah. the Space Commanders. Yes, yeah, and there's an incoming transmission. Let's uh, let's <laughs> let's go have a look at that. Uh, it's coming in from the deep depths of the galaxy from the Space Commanders. It's time to get commanded. Your cooperation on your previous assignment is noted and appreciated. We now ask you to ruminate on specifically the color white. Is it the color of goodness? What are its wants? What are its desires? Who are its allies and who are its enemies? Additionally, what emotions do the mechanics of the white color bring about in the subjective human experience of playing commander? Speaking of Get Commanded lore, it's this this one again. It's the other Space Commander. The other one. We, we normally hear from Mr. Serious, uh, well, we think Mr. Spooky. Mr. Spooky, 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 <laughs> yeah. man-ish sounding guy. But this one is always obsessed with the feeling yeah. and a bit of human, the, the humanity that comes out of our game. This one seems like the, the, the roguish scientist of the group, you know, like the radical, like, Ooh. oh, I believe that, that maybe they have emotions after all. I'm not with you all. I don't think we should nuke them. I think we should. <laughs> I think we should study them. I think they're beautiful creatures. Don't fire the missile. 
Thank you, this Space Commander. Thank you, Space Commander. I appreciate it. Uh, we like that you think of us as real people. Yeah. Uh, you care about our feelings. That's nice. Um, and you care about the best colour of magic. No, I refuse to let you start this podcast the episode best colour, The best The best colour. We play Commander. The best colour. It is the worst colour in our format. The best. You are so the best, wrong. The best colour. Stop talking. Best colour of magic. <laughs> um, <laughs> for the last word wow white it's the best colour okay look it's a pretty good colour I'll give you that James Dawn Charm come on alright Dawn Charm there's no Dawn Charm that's not white that you, no, you're right. <laughs> Sapphire charm exists, though, and that's uh, blue. That's yeah, wild. Yeah, okay. All right, whatever, whatever. All right, well, look, I I did a lot of research around colour philosophy not long ago, and sure. the Space Commanders were watching me, mm. and they know that I've been reading a lot of philosophy around colour. And Yeah, we talked about it a lot already in that yeah. the philosophy of colour episode, right? We talked about, like, what... Well, similar to this episode, like, what colours wanted, what they were for, what the kind of, like, purpose of them was in magic. So I guess now they want us to do kind of a deep dive on each colour. And I think I'm with you. It makes sense that you lead this because you did all the reading that they asked of you. Yes, I feel like this space commander might have my house bugged or something because <laughs> um, I got really, really into colour philosophy not long ago and I find it fascinating. Um, so yeah, definitely um, the context for this episode is in the episode The Colour Philosophy or The Philosophy yes. of Colour. I think it's Philosophy of Colour from yeah. memory, yeah, yeah. That episode, I think it's about five episodes ago yeah, four now. four five episodes ago, Go yeah. check it out because that's going to provide a lot more context to this episode and each episode moving forward. Definitely. But this episode is the colour white. So, I want to completely smash your opinion and thought that, color, that white is the best colour of magic because sure. it is the good colour. Everyone will th- look at, like, magic colours and be like, oh, there's philosophy in here inherently. There's, like, a story to be told in white. White are the good guys, right? Right? Mm. Wrong. I remember reading an article by Mark Rosewater that literally started with the line, white is not the good colour. Very explicitly. I've, by the way, linked a bunch of the um, articles that I've read as as reference in our show notes. Yeah, in the show notes. Yeah. So if you're interested, go check them all out. But good is already, like, as a term, good is a little bit of a philosophical faux pas, I would say. Right. So we're talking, like, morality-wise. Like, yes. not, not good as in, like, the mechanic of the game and, like, being a good card. We mean, yeah. like, are you morally good? Are you doing the right thing? Yeah. Are you sort of pure and true? And Whereas Smothering Tithe is a good card. <laughs> it plays well and produces a lot of mana. Yes, we're talking about, is white good as in, like, are white the good guys? Yes. Like okay. the heroes of the story. Sure. So in philosophy, saying something is purely good is a little bit challenging. And a lot of philosophers will kind of go toe to toe with you because mm. good it's... cannot be easily defined no, in any it's... shape or form. You're kind of asking to be disagreed with the thinking philosophy if you say like, oh, this is the good philosophy. Someone will be like, actually, here are a hundred other examples. For sure. But I think it's so easy to kind of like go for this good versus evil kind of type line of philosophy and i think in sure. magic you'd instantly see this in you know black versus white kind of well thing. we see this in other fiction definitely like white being good and black being bad yeah, yeah. The, like the you know even in like legend of zelda shadow link is the yeah. evil link um and link is the white link you know definitely. it's there's definitely structure there that we know but each color of magic has its own definition of good Right. Each colour has its own definition of what is good. Each mm. colour believes that. So 
we're now going to look at like specifically what white looks as as good. Right. So, so what is white's version of good? So this is similar in in the the color philosophy episode. You were talking about how Mark Rosewater kind of like personifies the colors and imagines them as like a person and says ask questions like would white do this? Yes. So I guess in this way we're going like okay if if white is standing in front of us like a person who represents all of the the context of what white Lived is as a out color, white's philosophy. Yeah. yeah. What would their like merits be? Like what what makes them good? Yes, or what they believe is good in the yeah, world. Yeah, right. So if you ask them what do you do that's the right thing to do, yeah. this is what they'd say. Well, I think if you asked white what do you want? What what is right. like your want in the world? Sure. I think the the answer would probably come down to like three main pillars. Yep. I think pillar 1 would be peace. I think white is constantly looking for peace. Yeah. The other is similar to that, but slightly different is unity. Peace mm. is kind of like an agreement that everyone lives in this harmony, but unity is about working together for that. Like sure. me and you can live in peace, but have very different lifestyles. Mm. Whereas unity is about like combining and like having this community, and... having this similar focus of lifestyle and belief. Sure. Yeah. And I think the last pillar, which is the kind of the stronger pillar in my opinion of white is order. Um, White Mm. believes that it should have order. And I think when you put peace, unity and order, you kind of naturally look at that and you go, well, that is like a um, a good thing, right? Like Mm. having peace, having unity and some order in the world. That's good, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think you'd say so. Well, I'll propose you this question. Is, um, do you believe fascism is good? (laughs) You like actually... Went inwards into your body then, being asked that question. I turned into a little goblin for a yeah. moment there. Don't know what that air escape in your lungs I, was. Um, this is going to might shock some of our viewers, I think, James. Your political view. I'm yeah. interested. So what, what is Walt's on record position on fascism? Look, I, I reckon oh, it's not it. No. It's not where it's at. Okay, interesting. Yeah. No, good. Nah, not good. No, no. Not good. No fascism. Nah. Bad fascism. Uh, don't, um, don't. Don't don't fascist. No. uh, (laughs) Avoid. um, Just stop it. Okay, but fascism Mm -hmm. also believes in a final peace and order and unity. Does it not? No, that's true. I actually went on a Wikipedia tangent today and was reading about a fascist regime. Oh, of Germany, uh, quite a notable. bit of a famous one. Yeah, um, yeah. slightly <laughs> famous one of those. Um, yeah, I think I think when you break down the way that they, especially fascism, is sold to people. It is kind of this idea Peace, of like, yes, order. only once we have order and only once we are all united in this exact purpose and usually a totalitarian state, then we can have peace and yes. we can have, have justice. It's sold to you in the way of like, if you obey by these rules, you'll have peace. Mm. You'll have peace. I guess we could sort of argue that if you take White's ideals to the extreme, you probably would arrive somewhere near fascism. Uh, like right? a totalitarianistic kind state. of state. I mean, yeah. yeah. If you wanted, if you want peace and order, those are things that are sold to you by alt-right politicians yes. all the time. They say to you, like, let's crack down on crime, get me elected, I'll enforce a police state. You know, like, this is, that's fascism 101, really. Yeah, before I upset more white players, um, <laughs> I'm going to move on from it. But I hope that this kind of shatters the idea that white is good. Yes. Because I think that we'll talk about white's flaws and go into it a little bit later on. Sure. But I think the next question that you typically ask the personified white 
colour mm. is what are you motivated by? And I think, mm. honestly, White would answer with, I'm motivated by my own sense of morality. I yeah. believe so strongly in my goal of finalising peace and order and harmony and this kind of unity together that it's less of a physical motivation, more of a moral obligation mm. to to getting to that end goal of having peace and structure in this kind of set world that it believes in. That's, yeah. that's its motivation is its end goal. I think, I think it also, like, you could contrast this, and I'm sure we're going to look into it later, but you could contrast this with something like Blue where it does desire things, but it sort of desires them from an intellectual standpoint. Yes. Whereas white, I think, I agree with you, is really strongly tied to morality. It says, like, no, 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 I know what is right and I must do it because of my strong moral code. Yeah, and this is the interesting thing about, like, when you look at colour philosophically, is morality is a part of philosophy. Mm. It's not... Morality, some people get confused and go, morality is all of philosophy what you think of good and bad is everything mm. but it breaks down more but in this episode you'll see that white very concerned with morality yeah what definitely. is good and bad a strong part of it all right well jumping back into the political spectrum mm-hmm. i've got another question for you sure based on what you understand of white and what we've already talked about in the color philosophy episode the mm-hmm. philosophy of color yeah what do you think white would be on the socialist and communist spectrum Oh, because for those that don't know, socialists believe more in resources owned by the citizens. So state Mm. resources being owned by citizens. Sure. So this is like, you know, if you work in a factory, you own the factory with everyone else who works there. It's kind of like a very simple way of understanding. That's the uh, exact ideology. Yeah. So, but with communism, this would be where the government owns the, basically everything. Government owns everything, but it is equally distributed to all. Yes. So, so both believe in this redistribution of wealth. So they're both like staunchly opposed to capitalism. Yes. Just inherently. Yeah. But yes, socialism believes that the way to do that is to give all that power to the people. And communism says, no, the state should have all that power. Mm. Um, I think I would say, I think I would say that it would depend a whole lot on which color you put white with. Because I think Ooh, yeah, I okay. think it fluctuates between the two. I think they both. What happens when you combine those yeah. philosophies? I think I think to be honest, I would have to say they generally probably are closer to socialist. But I think it really depends because if you put them with blue, I would say no, one hundred percent that's communist. Yeah. Um, white black, I would say is also like we see literally the Orzov syndicate are about banks. Law. They're the banks that, on Republic. Yeah, Rebecca. and yeah. they are, and yes, they are the guilds and stuff. So mm. that that I think is very that's more on the communism side but then white green is and white red are way more socialist i would say where they're like no no no, that's about all of us being one and together and together we achieve our goals i would say that's 100 that's socialism so i think it i think it depends yeah i think it's really interesting that you decided to combine i mean you immediately went oh white sits in that area but to push it one side or the other it needs another philosophy yeah. backed behind it, which is really interesting. I think so. Um, I think White generally wants to be, like, united. So, yes. like, that unity thing kind of lines up with these distribution of wealth ideologies mm. and, and, like, you know, the Marxism kind of spectrum because it it is against this capitalist philosophy 
in general. Sure. But then when you combine it with another color, that's where it's kind of true political spectrum mm. comes in. It's interesting that all of these, because we've actually now discussed three different ideologies of fascism, socialism, yes. and communism. Fascism, obviously, famously, not typically yeah. um, one that goes hand in hand with communism or socialism, really. Uh, mostly. Um, that's another podcast. That's a whole other not podcast. Not on our channel. <laughs> and not something we know very much about. But um, it's interesting that the, 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 the key thing that all of those have in common is they are all about a collective action. All yes. of them are absolutely... Like, you would not it say It doesn't about- work if only one person believes it. It only works if everyone believes yes. it. Yeah. Yes. And then it's just sort of the means to an end and also the distribution and, and the, where the power sits is different. Yes. But yeah, everyone's buying into it. Usually. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think this is interesting because like when we look at those power or political structures that mm. we've kind of identified that white aligns itself to, I think the main thing that white believes then is that suffering is caused by this lack of forethought for the common good Mm. that's where white believes that the world is wrong and needs to fix it that's where white looks at a world that is ruled by individualism Mm. capitalism um this like i will strive to be better for myself I think white looks at that and goes, no, that's not, if, if you believe that you're actively going against what I believe to be good. Mm. And I think that's why, I mean, I just said individualism. What did I say in the philosophy of color episode? Yeah. There's a couple of colors that immediately come to mind that are very much about individualism. Yes. And who are the enemy colors of white? Yeah. It's black and red. Yeah. Which so I would say are both very individualistic colors. I'm sure we're going to go into it more later. For sure. About allies and stuff like that. But yeah, no, definitely. They're very opposed to that idea of it being about the collective. Yeah. They're very much focused on themselves mm. and, you know, wanting to prom- promote their own benefits or their own progression. Sure. Um, I think it's interesting how white goes about dealing with this when it comes up in society. Like opposition. Yeah, it, it goes about it in a way of it doesn't want to remove them per se. It doesn't want to like kill the the opposing ideas. It actually wants to convert them. Mm. I think that white and this is often where we kind of see that white comes off quite preachy in it's a lot of religious iconography is used in the white cards in in artwork even in flavor text Definitely. i mean you said it before like the orzov syndicate they're very like um the banks which are very traditional kind of uh elizabethan um gothic horror kind of buildings <laughs> yeah. um which are very like religious focus mm. like these stained glass windows and stuff like that yeah i think that it generally wants to convert less um kill it, it, right. it wants to make sure, like you said before, it only works when everyone is believing it. Right, yeah, So yeah. if I just kill someone, that's a wasted resource for the mm. common good that can happen later. Well, I mean, I, it, I think it's interesting that so many of the effects that um, you see most commonly in white that deal with, like, opposing creatures, which, you know, you can think of as, like, the beings that are opposed to white. Yeah. Um, are pacifism effects. Like, yes, can't attack, can't yeah, block. Yeah, can't attack, can't block. So it's like, rather than make you an opponent, they would rather say, no, you're sitting this one out. <laughs> yes. You know, either you're with us or move out of the way. <laughs> I'll put you in chains. Like, you can even yeah. think of um, Heliod's punishment. 
Oh um, yeah, is one where like you ha- the you enchant. I can't remember the exact card, but it's, it's an, an enchantment aura. aura. Yeah, but it basically puts three counters on the creature, and the only thing that the creature can do is tap and remove it. I think they're called task counters. I think I think they have to tap and remove a task counter. And when the last one's removed, the enchantment sacrifice. Yes, I think. but until then, it can't attack or block, and the only activated ability it can do is tap remove a task yeah. counter yeah it's interesting it is do you see how it's like this and it's called heliod's punishment mm. it's like you have disagreed with the ideology of white therefore yeah. i'm going to punish you so you think about what you've done well but it's interesting to contrast this with a card like murder <laughs> yes <laughs> you exactly. know, just... if we talk about black having opponents in the way like all of those cards just say like Get out of here. Go for the throat. Yeah. Murder. You're already dead. You are already <laughs> dead. You know, yeah. these are these are explicitly saying, get out of my way or die. Yeah. Um, and even even red is is lightning and chaos and like, yeah. you know, I will I'll strike you down. If basically. you get in my way, you could nearly die or straight up be obliterated. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. But, but white is generally more interested in like, yeah, either join us or move out of the way, but don't yeah, not not necessarily I'll stab you in the eyeball. Yeah, I think this is again, this it kind of leads into other mechanics in white. Like white is a very common um stacks piece like a lot of stacks effects come into white and i think this is what now we're discussing how white implements its strategy or what strategies it does implement to get to its end goal Mm. and by having these common cards that are stacks cards you know these rule of law type effects yeah it implements rule of law like quite Mm. on the nose like it wants to implement some kind of rule law order to make sure people play on its turf. Mm, I think it's interesting that, that while there are a lot of stacks pieces that are um, one-sided, like they only stacks your opponents, most stacks effects are white, and I would also say most stacks effects are symmetrical. Yes. So, like, you know, um, cards All like, non-creature spells cost one more to cast. Yeah, or each player can cast only one spell a turn. Like, that's, mm. that's we call those rule of law effects after the card rule of law, which is white, that says... All of us are casting one spell a turn. That's the way, and you can't not do it. You know, that's the only choice. That's and they're the laws that I've set. Yes, and, and we're even, all going to live by it, and me. I will live yeah. by it too. Which you can sort of contrast with. You know, there are other colors that sort of impose themselves on others. Mm. Um, I think you see this a lot with black, and probably green, maybe a little bit. Anyway, but they're, they're sort of very much like a, you know, we'll get, we'll make you see our way. Mm. But they're not so much saying, like, be one with us. You know, let's all play at the same table. Let's all play at the same rules. Well, I mean, you think about, like, Black's interaction in this way. A lot of Black effects cause you to discard cards. Mm. But Black plays in the graveyard. Yeah. So it's actually, like, selfishly taking your resources and putting them in a zone in commander which is in your graveyard so it can play with them mm. so it's like i'm going to take your resources and, and play with now. them yeah um i might have to discard as well but i play in my graveyard too so yeah. it's still mine whereas rule of law is like you can't get around that no i think it's really interesting i now that i think about it i can't think of almost any white cards that say gain control of x you know what I mean? Like, that, that say, gain control of target artifact or gain control of target creature. I literally, outside of, like, obviously when they join with red cards or blue cards yeah. or whatever, I can't think of a single white card off the top of my head that might says... I might have to do a Scryfall search. I might have to do a Scryfall search yeah. for that. But I, it's, the fact that we can't think of any means, I think, that probably it's not something that they're doing. Yeah, I think that Mark Rosewater put it really, really well 
in um, his 2015 article. Um, it's called White uh, White Way Revised. He wrote one in like early 2000 called the the Great White Way, and then he rewrote one called the White Way Revised. Sure. And, and it's in the show notes, right? It yeah, is yeah. in the show notes. Cool. It's all linked, so you can go have a look and read it. But he actually related um, the the white philosophy to one of my all-time favourite books, 1984 by George Orwell. Oh, um, geez, speaking of socialism. Yes, well... <laughs> George Orwell had a lot to say about that. You can see... 17-year-old James was infatuated I with can imagine. 1984. I actually um, haven't read it, but I'd really like to at some point. I have read it twice, and you know that I'm not a person that reads a lot of, like, novels. Yeah. That's one of my all-time favourite books. Give it, a read. give it a read. But he relates it to... Obviously, you know, you already said it. It's got a strong view of socialism mm. and, and kind of this redistribution of government control. Yeah. But he uses the term that is Orwellian and actually in the dictionary now. Like the Oxford Dictionary has this term in it called thought policing. Oh, yeah. Now you totally hear about the thought police. Yeah. yeah basically says... Um, you can't even think about that. Yes, you. If you are, th- if you're thinking about betraying the structure that we've provided, we will punish you for it. And I think in 1984, again, I haven't read it, so forgive me if I'm wrong here. Have you watched the movie? I haven't. No, great film too. Um, but I, I believe that they literally do this, right? Yes, like they they are, they they are able to you. police you based yep. on your thoughts. Yeah. So this term, thought policing has now become an English Oxford Dictionary word. Yeah, I've heard it um, many times, thought police, yeah. Yeah, and it's. I think that this is so white. This mm. idea that if I could, if white could read your mind, it would tell you not to cast that spell. Mm. Do you know? And that's what rule of law effects are to me, that it's this like, don't even try it. You get one. You know, it's very, it's very, I, I'm the, re- the religion is coming back to me as like a clear, clear example yeah, of this sure. of saying like, you can't do that. That's forbidden. Um, I am aware of everything and you can't do that. Yeah. That's really interesting. It's really fun. Cause this is the difference that I discovered when doing this kind of like reading into these philosophies was the difference between moral disobedience and civil disobedience. Right. Civil disobedience is disobeying the law, mm. right? Moral disobedience is disobeying morals. So right. if I was to steal from a shop, I am breaking the law. Mm-hmm. But if I was to, like, I don't know, go into that shop and, like, cause havoc in terms of, like, I'm not breaking any laws, but maybe disrupting and moving items around on the shelves. And just and yelling. Just and... yelling, being disruptive. It's not illegal, but... I am causing, I'm doing something immoral because I'm making that shopkeeper's life hard. They're going to have to go and rework all those shelves. Right. And it's this difference. I mean, even stealing, if white believes that that is morally wrong, it is not only a civil offense, but is a moral offense. Right. And white believes that it should stop moral offenses because that will lead to no civil offenses. It will build its law structure around what its morality is. If it believes murder is wrong, it will say it's illegal. But if it says murder's fine because it's morally okay to kill a bad person, murder is now legal. Right. I see what you mean. There's there's no difference really between how someone, if we imagine that white color personified again, mm. if he had his way or if they had their way, they the laws would exactly reflect their moral code. They would yes. say 
everything that I believe is wrong is forbidden and everything that I believe is right is legal. So it, it, in the context of, yeah, our current law system, we know that theft is wrong. We know that murder is wrong. Mm. If White believed that theft is wrong because that is against the common good. Sure. But murder is fine because you can murder a bad person. Murder would be legal in their mm. in their structure. Ironically, a very black and white way of looking at the world. Isn't it just? <laughs> isn't it just? I think that when you referred to religion earlier and, and the way that they police your mind in this way of like, um, I believe this, so therefore that will be illegal. Mm. It's this... I think the way they do it best is provoking guilt. This is the way religion mm. does it very strongly. It's, it's if you sin... God will dislike you. Yeah. Um, well, it's it's sort of relying on this idea that at some point you will develop an internal narrative that comes from that external narrative, mm. and then it will it will police you yourself internally. You, you will, will yourself police, police yourself. Police yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It's super interesting. So while we also see that in white, white often is also perceived as charitable. Oh, yeah. Because they're obviously, their goal is the common good. Mm. So they have to spread charity. White takes cares, like care of other by encouraging others to like give without the expectation of return. And this mm. is the dead, like dead to rights definition of volunteerism. Mm. White believes that volunteerism is a good thing. And this, this thought aligns with the fact that those at the bottom of society they need to be cared for the most because they're not on our level. We need to bring them up to this level where we're all equal. Mm, level playing field. Yes. Yeah. So obviously, you know, we see cards like Impassioned Orator, which is like someone spreading the good word mm. and stuff like that. It's very white to to try and create this world in which people are charitable. And it actually does that by creating these systems like a court system, a military force, government, politics, to make it possible to change the way the world is. Mm. You need to have a military force to create change because you have to fight your enemies. Right. You need to have politics because that's where the laws are created. You need to understand the law system to change the world. Mm. So They're to- definitely living the, like... They're living what they preach. Yes. The, very the, the much white so. philosophy. Yeah. Well, I guess that this is probably a really good time to take a bit of a thrifty interlude. Sure. So we can see now that white values like the light and believes that, you know, any information or behaviors that are done or contained for oneself is bad. But the common good is the the end goal. So that that individualism is it's is the danger. And it needs to be eradicated. So this is, you know, why we can see white isn't good or sure. what it could possibly be. So we've got lots left to cover, including we'll go into the flaws a little bit more. Yeah. And I also want to kind of personify white a little bit and talk sure. about its allies and its enemies. But before we do that, it's time for a thrifty interlude. <laughs> <laughs> You're reading it with me now. It's, uh, I'm it's it. disorienting. Well, I decided this week that I would uh, feature a card... Well, I wanted to pick a white card explicitly. That makes a lot of sense. And I've re- I've actually realized I picked a card that depicts a really early moment in the story of the most quintessentially white planeswalker in magic oh, history. I, yes, I can see that. Gideon, yeah. aka at this time in, in his story, Kithion of uh, Miletus, yep. which is on the Theros plane. Um, so this card depicts basically Gideon's low point and the point at which he decided, no, that's that what I've done is not right. 
I need to prioritize everybody else moving forward. So that's interesting. It really epitomizes um, White's philosophy. But yes, we'll, we'll do a quick little interlude. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring this card to life. Uh, in this case, there will be someone selling the card to you. Uh, yeah, this guy has to have a name at this point, surely. Uh... I imagine him wearing a cloak. Yes. Like... He's a merchant. He's definitely a merchant. Like selling wares out of a rusty old cart kind of thing. I imagine the, you know, the beginning of um, Aladdin? The guy who's oh, yes, the, the merchant at the very beginning. <laughs> yes. That's that's him. That's one hundred percent him. That works really well. Voiced by Robin Williams. So I'm flattering myself. Um, would you like to read the card <laughs> that I'm featuring this week, James? I would love to. So this uh, famous card in Gideon's story is tragic arrogance. For three white and a white, you'll get a sorcery that reads: For each player, you choose from among the permanents that player controls an artifact, a creature, an enchantment, and a planeswalker. Then each player sacrifices all other non-land permanents they control. Ever get sick of people walking around with their head held high? Impoverished by pompous pontificators parading their perspectives on pointless positions? Well, Karma has a new face and its eyes are laser beams! I don't know what that means. The point is, it's all coming tumbling down for the conceited and the vain. And when it does come tumbling down, that's your chance to take what's owed. It's like the GFC if you had decided what happened to the bankers. It was up to me. They wouldn't be bankers anymore. They'd be dead, tired, from all the cleaning I'd make them do. Get budgeted! 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 Well, at least now we know this hooded, figured merchant. At least we know his political position. We do. Yeah. We also know he lived through 2008, weirdly. So he's (laughs) potentially still alive today. He's he's at least 15. At least 15? (laughs) Was it 2008, 15 years ago? Yes. Oh my god. Oh, that's wild to think about. Ah. Well, if you'd like to catch more of me being strange, um, I do post these as text posts on our Discord server, which you can join in the show notes. And you can see me bring some of these to life uh, in video form over on TikTok at G underscore Commander Community. So check us a follow on there to see them as they come out. Awesome. All right. Back into white? Yes, back into white. Well, we stayed in white, but, Ste- but, but yeah, back to it as true. well. True, we were just in white, but now more into the philosophy of yes, white. Yes, back to the mm. philosophy. We get the tea brewing mm. and let's pontificate on these pointless I'm, positions. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I'm All right, ready. well, I think next in the phase of analysing white is actually to kind of personify white a little bit. Sure. Um, we talked about, you know, personifying it with its political values, but with, mm. when you do that, you kind of end up thinking of this grand scheme of you know a nation almost you almost instead of personifying it you turn it into a country accidentally Mm. um so i think in this part of the podcast i really want to kind of knuckle down and like really try and think of white as a person sure and i think a very identifiable thing that is very human is having flaws yeah i think having flaws is innately very um human experience so Mm. for the space commander that's curious about human experiences be bad at things that's um (laughs) that's i think a really human experience it's true fail 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 again exactly and i think 
when Mark Rosewater has written about flaws in colors, identities, and their philosophies, he actually really avoids the word flaw. I've noticed right. this when he writes about them, but he's occasionally slipped up when he's talked on his podcast, the Drive to Work podcast. Yeah. I think he refers to them in his articles as things that negatively drive the color towards its objectives. Mm. So what are the things that are considered to us as the reader, the, the understander, a bit skewed in the way it's going about getting its objectives complete. So how sure. is white getting to its end goal of peace, order, and unity? So this is what it's doing actively. This mm. is, we talked sort of a bit about its mor- morality and how maybe that was a bit skewed, but this is sort of more about what's it doing and how's it going wrong and how it's doing it. Like, what's what's it mistaken about, really? Yes, and I think the key thing is looking at what it despises. Right. White absolutely, and we've talked about this earlier, despises individualism mm. and self-expression and, and it, anything that is considered, like, I am me, this is me, I want to do this. I'm separate from everyone else. Using the word I is actually a disgusting thing to a white person. It's like, ooh, how can you even consider yourself when there's a world full of people out there? Right. So I think it it perceives this, like, personal, I have a value in the world, and it's my value that I bring to the table mm. that's, that's uniquely me. White looks at it and goes, you're selfish, you're reckless... You're right. you're gonna hurt the good, the common good. Okay. And it when it sees it, it just kind of goes, you know what? I hate you. I don't even want to be around you. You're gone. You're gone from my ideology. Mm. I can't even think that you're convertible. Anything that like re- reveals that of like selfishness, it's like I'm out of here. Well, it's interesting. I, I'm reminded of the of two of the cards we mentioned in our last episode when we were looking at some of the most efficient cards in Commander. Um, White has the two most efficient removal spells, arguably, in Commander for creatures. Yes. Path to Exile and Swords to Plowshares. Interesting that neither of those kills the creature. They exile They exile it. And, you know, you get the implication from both of them. I mean, Swords to Plowshares is sort of more about the community thing, because it's saying, like, okay, I'm going to see your desire to do combat with me, and I'm going to convert that into a desire to tend to the greater good, to yeah, tend the fields. Swords to plowshares. Yeah. I think often a lot of people just say swords to plowshares as if it's one word. Yeah. Swords to plowshares. Yeah, and there's, you can see this depicted in the art. There's a fant- My favourite version of the art is the one where literally someone with a sword... And, and it then turns the, into a hoe. It yeah. turns into a hoe in yeah. their hand instead. Um, but but then Path to Exile is more explicit. literally saying, you know, if, you, if you're not with us, you are leaving these lands behind. Yes. Um, it's, it's, it's very explicit in saying, like, yeah, you can be you. Can be you. you can be selfish. You can be yourself. But you're going to do it all the way over yeah, there you can't in the that- exile zone yeah. of the playmat. <laughs> By the exile zone, I mean, put yourself back in the deck box that you yes. came from. You don't belong on this battlefield. It's worth piss off. <laughs> <laughs> worth noting that the original text for things that were exiled was removed from the game. Oh, that's true. So it's literally, you could not be further away from being a part of the battlefield and a part of what's you're not even on. a part of the game anymore. You're not even anymore. a part of the game anymore. You're yeah. out of here. Yeah. That's a real... I hadn't thought of that. Mm. That's really poignant. I think both of those cards were printed at a time when that was the wording Removed well. from Removed the game. Removed from the game, yeah. Yeah, I think, look, I think obviously we see that as a pretty big flaw in why is this kind of like overcorrection yes. is what I would refer to it as. Definitely. This like, you don't ab- abide by my rules, you don't believe in what I believe. <laughs> Leave the country. <laughs> Fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> like, absolutely. I think the other thing that White is negatively driven by is its own obsession 
Mm. I think that the obsession kind of leads into that ideology. This like you're you're not a part of my philosophy. Bye bye. Mm. It's because it's absolutely obsessed. It's blinded by its own wants. That often at times, and I'm gonna use a deck archetype here to explain this. Often at times, white is so obsessed with trying to obtain a peace and an order to a board state in Commander. Mm-hmm. It's con- trying to control all four players, including itself. That often, it can box itself in, and you created a win-conless stacks deck <laughs> that will make a game go for years on end without mm. a near side of victory because no player can win. Yeah. So it, it creates this like board state where everyone's like, all right, I will draw my one card for turn. I will cast a non-creature spell that costs me eight mana more than I should usually cast it for. It's my only spell for turn. I can't go to combat. I um, I have to go to my discard step. Um, I've only got two cards in hand anyway. I pass the turn. If, and then the uh, next player does the exact same thing. And this repeats for six hours. Can you tell I don't like playing in these commander uh, pods if if i mean we talked before about law and order and how it relates to white maybe this is bureaucracy the deck mm. <laughs> that's exactly what it is white's you, like obey everything <laughs> obey everything obey everything it'll take you eight hours <laughs> white is essentially the type of color that would be like mm, to cast that spell please fill out form b and yeah. you'll get that from aisle seven yeah. uh that is three hour long line you'll have to wait there you misspelled your name start again please uh, line up at the back of yeah. aisle seven the replacement forms are at the other end of the store yeah. um <laughs> what no you filled out the pink slip we oh, need you to fill out the blue slip yes and the pink slip of course is also blue we just call it the pink slip because it's fun yeah and fuck you and your time <laughs> i just i think that this is one of the things and you can tell that it frustrates the hell out of me because it opposes my my colors are red mm. and blue yeah everything is now 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 and and gotta be quick mm. white's obsession with this rule-based system boxes itself in all the time mm. i mean i've seen you play your yishan cdh stacks list yeah and even you sometimes are like well i can't do anything either <laughs> i'm just gonna swing two combat damage at you and hope i kill you eventually i mean that's kind of the irony of the of the stacks deck as it ex- exists in cdh is actually because everyone else is obsessed with maybe their individualism their singular combo they're looking for just slowing everyone down is a win con in cdh yep. there's there are lists that are called win conless stacks they don't actually have no win cons because combat is a win con and actually that's all they're relying on and a 2-2 Gaddock Teague is going to eventually kill someone. I mean, ironically, like, yeah, that my, my commander is a 4-4 in, in my CDH list, Yashan. Yeah. Yashan is, like, effectively unblockable in CDH. Yes. There are so ah, few creatures ah. with more than 4 power. Niv-Mizzet is a 5-5. Five five. Yeah, Thank good, you luck, good luck resolving Niv-Mizzet without your fast mana, bro. True. Can't tap <laughs> artifacts, can't yep. sack my treasures. <laughs> Fuck Yashan, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, look, I think that, like, that's part of the problem with White's obsession. But I think sure. the other part of this this obsession is that it often values these smaller crimes in a very particular way. Like, you know how I was saying, like, stealing is wrong mm. and murder is wrong? Yeah. Often White will punish stealing in the same way as murder. 
Right. There's only right and wrong, and therefore all things that are wrong deserve the same punishment. Correct. Like, if it, you, like any person I think I believe in the modern world would be like, oh, stealing is less of a crime than murder. Yeah. And in our court systems, in the real world, it is. Yes. You will get a, maybe a fine, maybe some jail time, depending on what you steal. Mm. If you get, if you commit murder, I guarantee you, you're not going to receive a fine. No, you're, you're definitely going to prison. It's just a question of how long. Yes, you're exactly. Yeah. And I think that this is... There's a philosopher, Immanuel Kant, um, mm-hmm. who I know you're familiar with. Yes. Um, very, like, one of the founding fathers of Western philosophy mm-hmm. is strongly considered um, to be. And he has a really interesting take on morality. Um, and his take on morality was it's basically subjective to the moment and the person. Mm. And the, the strong example that he pulled up was lying. Right. Because everyone would agree lying's bad. Mm. Being an honest person is good. You know, you like, shouldn't lie, basically. You re- like, you know, Abe Lincoln was referred as honest Abe because that's a good quality about him. He was mm. honest. Yeah. However, Immanuel Kant kind of proposed this idea of what happens if your best friend is being hunted. Like, imagine me, Walt, being hunted mm-hmm. and someone I'm hiding in your house. Yeah. And someone knocks at the door mm-hmm. and says, do you know where James is? Yeah. Yeah, I do. He's just through there. And then I get shot and killed. See, you didn't lie, good boy. Right. But I'm now dead. Yeah, no, you're dead. Yes. Yeah. Horrifically dead. Yeah. So you're like fine with this? I didn't do it. Wasn't me. Okay, so your morality is like (laughs) absolved. (laughs) No, obviously, yes. In that situation. If someone knocks on the door, I should say, I don't know, uh, James, who's that? Yeah. (laughs) Because you care about me. Yes. (laughs) Yes, yes, yeah. yes. But this this is the interesting thing. If you say lying is not okay... And and you're, like, hard and fast Staunchly, about like, lying, you lying should is never, never ever right. lie. Yeah. If, if that happened... And I, someone, I would be morally obligated to myself to tell the truth. And get and me you killed. Would have, you would die. Yeah. yeah. No, that's true. That's true. And I... I I think this is this is the nature of a lot of philosophy is you land at a position that you think is reasonable and then someone says, okay, what about in this instance? And you go, well, I can't apply that logic here. Yes. So I've got to find some way through this murky water to the other side where I feel I am being moral and sticking to my scruples, but not contradicting myself it's it's hard and i think this is why you know at the very start of this episode i said good in philosophy is impossible to define Mm. it's impossible yeah um and this pretty good segue into like the enemies and allied colors of of white Mm. because obviously black and red said it before these are the enemy colors Mm. of uh white now if you haven't listened to the previous episode the philosophy of color we explained that it's a really easy way to identify which colors are allies and which colors are enemies. Because on the back of the magic card, the four, the five dots arranged in that kind of pentagram mm. circle. Often called Wuburg because they're yep. always laid out in the order of white, blue, black, red, green. Correct. These are in this specific arrangement for a very specific reason. The colors that are next to each other on the color pie are ally colors. The ones that are across from each other 
their enemy colours. So in the case of white, we've got blue on one side and green on the other side. So those mm-hmm. are the two allies. And yeah, the two enemies are black and red. So l- why are black and red the enemies then? Well, it, it's pretty easy to like break it down. Black values itself. Mm. That is like the exact juxtaposition of valuing the community. I am always reminded of a very old black card. It's one of the quintessential um, draw three cards, lose three life sort of effects yep. called ambition cost yes and it seems very poetic to me about black's desire and how it gets there of saying i am ambitious i will get what i need it will come at a cost but i'm willing to pay it is sort of what black would say there yeah so like in terms of the selfishness white would see that as selfish yes absolutely Um, and and an individualist whereas so black threatens the community and the unity of Mm. of white's ideology yes red on the other hand that color values freedom of individual action it Mm. wants to be free and that threatens the order aspect of white's philosophy sure so when you combine them it's like peace is never going to be achieved no not if with these two red. colors are combined like you think about the rakdos guild on ravnica mm. think of just look at any rakdos card it's it's pure chaos carnage individual expression yeah. in like bdsm gear it's like some situations I mean, you also like, see kind of like rock concert vibes like there's Rakdos the showstopper like anarchy kind of yeah but like kind of in a fun way it's like fun anarchy (laughs) yeah (laughs) I just really want to hear that guitar solo on his massive axe I mean I think um didn't Command Zone animate Rakdos the showstopper they totally did just like a little boogie you should check out that episode if you can find it it's very fun that's hilarious okay well I mean that's pretty easy to define but in terms of the allies on either side of white we Mm -hmm. have blue and green yes so in blue there is a very similar value that blue holds to white, which is progression. Mm. Blue is very focused on this idea that it will grow its understanding. And blue looks at it through knowledge and intelligence, Where, but white looks at blue and sees that familiarity of a forethought. Mm. Is I am thinking about where my next steps are going to be, and I'm doing that carefully yeah whereas blacks black and red do that very kind of i'm gonna be here so i'm gonna do it blue is doing it by like mm, maybe i need a research grant from my uh, <laughs> for uh, like to, to do my phd i need to apply to a university grant sure. and all that kind of stuff so when white looks at blue it goes oh you're careful and considerate mm. i like that it's interesting when you combine them together and you get the Azorius Guild, yes. who are the, I mean, Azor, I have an Azor, the, the Lawbringer law deck. It's very explicitly about law and order and structure. Um, and look, it plays out in a way that, that can seem positive, but you equally have cards that are explicitly Azorius, like Azor's uh, Interlocutors, I believe it's called, who are literally engaging in, um, uh, what's it called? filibustering that oh, you, right. you put a filibuster counter on them so filibustering is a political strategy whereby you take up as much time as possible during the debate so that it goes so long that everyone gives up yeah that's your way of winning the argument you know you can't win it philosophically or by engaging 
um, in argument properly. So you just prolong the debate as long yeah. as you possibly can. And that card wins you the game if you can just delay it long enough. <laughs> it's also really interesting. Um, you know how I planeswalked to chess not long ago? Yes. Filibustering is also kind of a chess strategy. You can run down your opponent's clock. Yes. If you just put them in situations where you have to make them think, mm. you just win on time. Yep. Interesting. Very and much. so in green, on the other side of white, mm-hmm. what does white see in green? It's the community aspect. Yeah. You talked about it before in the, the Philosophy of Colour episode with your mono green Moe deck. Mm. You have this feeling that like the strength of each other are going to grow together because these creatures care about other creatures getting plus one counters mm. when they get plus one counters. So they're going to grow all together. Yes. And that's a mono green deck. Mm. But isn't that such a white philosophy? Oh, I love... I mean, yes, white, green are my two favorite colors of magic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love, but I love the way they in- interact with one another because you get this real feeling of oneness and harmony. Um, yeah, harmony, unity of purpose, and the the you get to see a lot of really beautiful cards uh, and art that are from these things. I think about cards like um, Tristani Discordant, which is ironically kind of a uh, d- d- sad time in the hist- this history of this Lesnia That's guild. True. But even the art on that is still very beautiful because it's this beautiful natural environment mm. and it's at least an attempt at harmony. You know, you can see they're trying to come together. They're trying to be one. And I, I really do love the fact that you are green and white mm-hmm. and I am red and blue yeah. because they're both complete enemies as guilds, but mm. the blue shares with white and the, the red and you know, is like the juxtaposition of mm. white. It's it's really interesting. I think, you know, maybe white's philosophy of togetherness is better because together we make a pretty good podcast, I reckon. Yeah. yeah. And together we can eliminate black. Yes. Oh, the... wait, no, I need them sometimes. Oh, Some fine. of my decks. Fine. Some fine, of my decks, I need them sometimes. Fine. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, in terms of like a commander game. Sure. The color philosophy. We of do white. play that. Yes, that's that's what our <laughs> podcast is about. Yeah, <laughs> I think that the philosophy of white is actually really visible in a commander game more than most formats mm. because commander games generally go for longer. I think that white's an interesting color when it's given a longer time to stretch out mm. because its philosophy is very future based. It's going for a goal. It's going for this like peace, unity, order kind of end mm. goal. So you see it play out in a really white way. Yeah. Um, one I- of the key things that I'm thinking of is it's really good at buffing a lot of creatures. Yeah. I mean, we, we get every anthem is green. They, these are effects that say sorry that is white um <laughs> I, was about to, I said green wrong episode. <laughs> i was thinking of the one version that is green which is gaia's anthem which is an explicit color break from future Sight. oh yes that was specifically designed yes to, to be, be a, a color break so break. every other card that says like you know explicitly creatures you control get plus one plus one or... well glorious anthem is where that yeah, kind of term the, yeah, comes from the, the the classic one but there's even um dictator of heliod yep. is the the same kind of thing really good combat trick too <laughs> i love um marshall's anthem this is the yep. Four mana anthem, but you can multi-kick it for one and a white, and you return creature cards from your graveyard to the anthem. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that that one is also bringing back fallen companions, so that's kind of a, a more... That's the... It's interesting, white is actually quite good. After black, it's probably the best colour interacting with the graveyard, and I think it's about rewarding faith. I mean, there's a card called 
Faith's, Faith's reward, reward. Yeah, true. which says, you know, if um, you can return all the stuff that you've put into the graveyard this turn to the battlefield. So it's almost like... So have uh, faith, it'll come back. Yes. Have faith and you'll get rewarded. But you have to have the faith because if you yeah. don't leave out the mana on that turn, you're not getting it back. Yes. It has to be then. It has to be now. You have to have faith. Yes. I think that's really interesting when like the holy imagery then comes mm. back into it. It's like this religious, like if you put your devotion to White's philosophy, it will reward you. Mm. A little bit of a side tangent, actually, in terms of mechanics that are inherently White, we'll talk about, like, a couple of them in a second, but I think, interestingly, one that shared by, like, all colours was the devotion mechanic from Theros. Sure, so this is coming back in every Theros set, I believe. Yes. We've seen this in some form. This is the, like, you know, Krufix God of Horizons is a god... That says... It's um, only a creature. It's only a creature when you have devotion to green and blue of seven, seven I think. And then sure, the, yeah. the monocolored ones are usually five. Mm. Um, they're the gods. But then there's also cards like um, that, that explicitly say... Like, Gary, Grey Merchant of Asphodel. Yeah, yeah. It's a really strong Drains one. your opponents equal to devotion to black. Yeah. Um, Daxos Blessed by the Sun is a white one. Yeah. Um, his toughness is equal to your devotion to white. So he literally gets stronger, effectively. The more white permanence you have. Yeah, the more devotion devoted you are. I find it really interesting that it's a... Like, Gary, for example, is like a black card that is very strong with the devotion mechanic. Mm-hmm. And, but it's interesting that in Theros Beyond Death, yeah. The, the story of that um, plane, the the set that we had. Mm-hmm. The main character in that story was Elspeth, sure. who at the time was struggling with her devotion mm-hmm. and her belief in where she was going. And I, I think it's really interesting that she's a white-centered planeswalker. She has her philosophy based in white. And she struggled with her devotion. Mm. And that's what the story was about. It was a white-focused story. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting that the, the, the plane that we were on had a mechanic that's based around something that is philosophically aligned with white. Mm, interesting. That's super interesting. I mean, I think Elspeth is probably, after Gideon, has to have the most mono-white Planeswalker cards. For sure. She's had a good couple of reprints this year yeah. because of going to New Capanna and... She's probably going to be back. I yeah. mean, I, I think... I'm pretty sure that Elish Norn is, like, terrified of Elspeth. Yeah. Because so, I think Elspeth's, like, de- defeated her before. I think... No, I think it's that she represents the antithesis of, like, the completion, which is oh, interesting. I thought she, like, wrecked Elish Norn at some point in the story. Possibly. I think I heard that somewhere. Anyway, We're not law people, so no. if, you, if you've got, like, any insight onto that... I mean, yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, but you said Elish Norn. Think mm. about Elish Norn as a character. White character. Yeah. She's all about the completion of everything. Mm. Isn't that incredibly white? Yeah. Well, she definitely represents probably the epitome of the negative aspects of white. You She's know? totalitarianistic. We must all be one <laughs> yeah. and the same is like horrifying in the case, literally yeah. horrifying in the case of the way that the... Um, Gruesome. The... Uh, Phyrexians. That's the that's the ones that getting to my mind. The, the Eldrazi. They're uh, all terrifying, the, the bad ones. hideous monsters. <laughs> but like, yeah, the Phyrexian um, ideology held at helmed helmed by Elishnor mm. is terrifying. Yeah, absolutely, um, it is. Anyway, I think that Mark Rosewater has like kind of listed a couple of other characters from like pop culture that he believes are white centric. Okay, one of the ones that he strongly believes that is super white centric is Superman. 
Right. A lot of people go, yeah, red, white, and blue because of his costume. But no, Superman is like white. See, solidly yeah. monocolored white. No, I totally see that. I, I think um, I remember reading somewhere that all good Superman stories, like he is supposed to be this ever powerful being, right? Like uh, no one's going to beat Superman in fisticuffs. No, no. So his no. fights are never about his strength in physical strength or his ability or like it's very rarely about that and most of the best superman stories are about him grappling with his own morality yeah well you think about should i intervene should i be the one who does that what kind of a man would i be if i did that and and um, when he's put in situations where he has to make a choice based on morality he's challenged mm. like in batman versus superman the one where he like you know he either has to fight batman or his mum dies Mm. kind of thing that's like a really strong thing for him to deal with as a character because it's morality based yeah definitely interesting i think something else that white's really good at in commander that we see it play out all the time is life gain Mm. i think that is a really good mechanic for white um You actually mentioned a card that I was thinking of around this, which was Daxos, Blessed by the Sun. Oh, yeah. So this um, is whenever a creature ETBs or dies on your battlefield, you gain a life. Yeah. yeah. Same thing with Soul Warden, um, Impassioned Orator. Yeah. Um, all these white creatures care about More other creatures, creatures coming yeah. into the battlefield. And isn't that like, when you see it on the board, especially I love it when white players, specifically like token soldiers kind of players, don't just put a dice on their token they put like multiple copies of the token onto the battlefield so when they have 10 soldiers there are 10 one one soldiers i also love that i think it just looks so much cooler on a battlefield and also it absolutely epitomizes what white's about is collecting this group force of people to to believe in something mm. and the cards like Daxos Blessed by the Sun Impassioned Orator they reward you yeah. for doing that well and it's interesting the the payoffs for life gain are often white as well I mean we have like Archangel of Thune yes. is the five mana creature that says whenever you gain life put that many plus on counters on every creature you control yep. um, so that's explicitly saying like our strength will unite us and make us stronger yep um there's also i've just looked it up now it's probably why you can see me tapping on my phone um nykthos paragon similar oh that thing. card is strong this is the six mana creature that says whenever you gain life you may put that many plus on counters each creature you control do this only once each chance so it's slightly yep. worse than archangel of thune um but this guy looks like the most quintessential white creature you've ever seen in your entire he's life he's like standing there with a big a sword and shield yeah he's got he's like standing on a like on a like on a hill, like very preachy. Oh my almost. god! Listen, listen to this flavor text. Though Heliod turned against humanity in his hunger for power, the ideals he once championed still stand strong. Isn't that the most white flavor text you've ever heard in your yeah. life? Yeah, he got he got corrupted with the bad motivations of white. Yes, but we will still stay true to ourselves. But we believe. Yeah, <laughs> we, we believe. Trademark. Blessed, blessed be Heliod's blessed name. Be- <laughs> Oh, he's getting corrupted. That card is terrifying. And interesting how he's corrupted with blue in his color identity. Mm. What does that tell you on a philosophical basis? Very interesting. Very interesting. I think some other mechanics that white does really well. I think the defensiveness of white. It's it's generally a very good color that defends itself really well. We talked about cards like pacifism and those sorts of effects that say, like, you You can't attack attack me. Yeah. I mean, even ghostly prison. Is yeah. a great example of that. Totally. Players can't attack you unless they pay you two for each attacking creature. Mm. Um, Mark Rosewater actually identified that white has the highest toughness 
to power ratio. So out of all oh. the colors, white has bigger butts, essentially. <laughs> out of all of the colors, white have bigger butts. I mean, I think about a card like um, Jareth, Leon, and Titan. Oh. This is like the 4-7, <laughs> yes. and whenever it blocks, it gets plus 7, plus 7 until end of turn. You're never going to be able you're to attack You're literally never going to get thing. through. No. It's, uh, and it's you'll wild. most likely lose a creature too. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely very good at saying, say wait, <laughs> stop but it. I think that like mechanics, like keywords like vigilance... Mm. are really, really key to understanding White's defensive nature. Like, yeah. if I do attack, I still want to be able to defend my position. I will be prepared, uh, yeah. You think about all those 2-2 samurais with vigilance from um, Kamigawa, Neon mm. Dynasty. They are so strong That's just because of those vigilance keywords. I think they were the only samurai tokens in the set. I might be mistaken, but I think mm. they've pretty explicitly said, yeah, samurai tokens are white. So that seems interesting to say... You know, samurai were people who lived a very strict code. Yes. So it's interesting they point. said that they are vigilant and they are white. Yes. Very good point. I think obviously it would be amiss of us to not mention the quintessential protection card, Teferi's Protection. Yeah. Um, Talk it, about moral code though, Teferi saying, I will protect the whole plane. At the cost of myself as well. Like mm. I'm just getting the, the common good. Boom, I'm going to use the whole thing. Speaking of common good, I would be... We have mentioned Gideon already. I think we have to mention that oh. the most quintessential uh, white planeswalker, Gideon, sacrificed himself to save a friend because it was the right thing to do. Yeah. They're altruists. Yeah, like it, absolutely. At, at the core component. Yeah. Um, it's interesting where white is, yes, the defensive colour. I think it is also generally quite proactive in its attack. Mm. Um, it... Uh, it's interesting. It's like really defensive. Yes. Yet soldiers. Mm. They're the token in white. It's literally saying I'm assembling an army. I might not attack yet, but when I do, when I do, there'll be lots of us. You're gone. Yeah. Like it's like very proactive. I think it has to like set up its board to then attack. Like you're not mm. going to attack with two one one tokens, but you'll attack with those two one one tokens when you've got glorious anthem down six plus one counters on each of them. Yeah, and they've got like vigilance. Definitely, it's really interesting. Cards that like have training and mentor on them are mm. often white as well. These new like training was a really interesting mechanic from um, uh, was it uh, Midnight Hunt? Crimson Vow, I think. Yeah, one of, one of the ones from Industrial. Yeah, might even have been both. But this is the mm. mechanic where. When a creature attacks with a creature with greater power, um, it gets plus one counter. So if you attack with a 2-2 creature and a 1-1 that has training, the creature that has training put, puts a plus one counter on itself because yeah. it's attacking with a greater a creature with greater power. But like you can see it's rewarding you as the player in the commander game to play to its ideologies. Well, yeah. I mean, even a, a card that I absolutely adore that has three white pips in it, so it's definitely a white card. Really white. <laughs> true Conviction. Oh, yeah. It's true. the enchantment yeah. that gives your creatures uh, double strike and like lifelink. Arguably some of the best keywords in the game. Yeah, especially gives you when both paired of them, together. Gives you yeah. both of them permanently. And it's called called true conviction this is very much saying together we can do anything and i believe so strongly in what i, I, what believe, I believe so strongly that i can i can do anything really yeah. Yeah. i think also interestingly the cards like settle the wreckage are these mm. like very defensive cards but almost like proactive in their not proactive i'm gonna use the word provocative 
in mm. their use. They're like... They're quite reactive, really. Yeah. It says, like, don't come near me. If you do, there will be consequences. And by consequences, uh, bye-bye. Yeah, everything's gone. Yeah. Settle the wreckage. Um, there's also the Winds of Abandon is kind of a similar sick, sort of thing. Yeah, sick I mean, that one's a sorcery, so it's sort of a bit more proactive. Yeah. But, yeah, it's interesting that they always give something back as well. It's sort of like, well, you can you can have all your creatures be gone. Yeah. And you can have some land instead. <laughs> Have a field. Yeah. Think about what you've done. <laughs> have a field. Go stand in it. <laughs> I don't have dynamite laid out in that field at all. But I think that White is so, like, concerned with just destroying something straight out. Mm. There's, like, not many cards in White that just say destroy target creature. No. It's interesting. It I normally think... has to be attacking or blocking, right? Yeah, well, the cards that I'm thinking of specifically, like Define Verdict and Fierce Retribution, mm. they only care about the attacking and blocking creature, and then they will kill it. Yeah. So it basically says, don't stand in my way, or don't oppose me and come and fight my ideologies. Mm. I just think it's really interesting that White doesn't go about destroying its opponents in the typical way that we expect a kill spell to work. No. You have to either set it up with like, you know, or even like the pacifism effects. Yeah. It doesn't want to kill it. It just wants to make sure it can't oppose it. Yeah. I even think of, um, there's a card I was thinking of putting in one of my decks recently or putting back in one of my decks, Devouring Light. Um, this is a three mana instant for one white white that um, exiles target attacking or blocking creature, and it has convoke. Ooh. So this can be a free spell in a token deck because it's you just tap three creatures that are white. You can just hold four white up, yeah. Three white, three, yeah. Three white, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah three white creatures, and you can just exile two, two white and a green even, um, and exile. But it has to be an attacking or blocking creature. Yeah. So it still says. I you like know, the flavor that it it has convoke as well. It's incentivizing mm. you to have creatures yeah like you build your army well and it's sort of saying like my my soldiers are ready yeah you, know, you can you can come here but you'll be devoured by the light you yeah. know it's oh, i They're love standing the... on the parapet yeah. yeah it's very like you know it's it's very moralistic and it can feel you know preachy and didactic at times the white philosophy but i love when it feels right it's sort of, it's sort of like when when captain america gets to punch a baddie Oh, you you're know? like, oh, yes, you did it. You did it. The good win. You you persisted. And I yep. knew you would get here and you're finally here. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's, it's, a, it's rewarding. Well, I think there's a couple of lessons we learn from White. Definitely. In the end of it all. We've looked, this episode, we've gone pretty deep dive into White. We've been very critical. Yes. Uh, we've been pretty analytical. But I think the lessons we learn from White, together, we are strong. When we look out for those below us, we all prosper. And we must be vigilant and protect the order that we create, otherwise our strength is greatly diminished. But when it comes to implementation of rules, we must tread lightly. Perhaps what we believe isn't best for everyone, in fact, authoritarian in nature. Space, Space Commanders, Commanders command, command received! Well, that was a big deep dive in white. And yeah. honestly, I'm really glad that we did it because white is not good. It believes good <laughs> things, but it's not good. Stop saying white's the good boy color. Yeah, I'm glad we I'm glad we, we definitely busted that myth right into the ground. Green is the good boy color because Moe exists. Yeah, the goodest boy in the multiverse. <laughs> well, to the listeners out there, do you feel commanded? What do you think of the color white? Do you prescribe to its philosophy? And what aspect of its, of its philosophy do you disagree with?
Yeah, and you can tell us, and, and really, I would love to engage in this conversation with our listeners. So you can send us an email, you can add us on Twitter, or join our Discord and chat with us and other members of our playgroup. This is genuinely the best place to talk with us about it, and I will happily jump on a Discord voice chat channel and talk to you about White's Colour Philosophy for a long time. And I will happily point you to James and tell you to sit on a voice chat with James <laughs> about the colour philosophy. No, I'm interested as well. I, I definitely haven't done the research so much, but I, I'm, you know what? I'm feeling like I've learned a lot more. I'm glad. And I know it was, I'm glad that we started in, you know, white's colours because I, I knew it'd be interesting for you because yeah. that's half of your identity. The best colour of magic. Well, if you want to support our content, you can do so in a couple of ways. The first way you can uh, leave us a review on whatever platform you listen on um spotify apple podcast google podcast is terrible as we know so <laughs> if you listen on google podcast just tell your friends about us yes, spread the good word please do um, but the other way you can support us is very directly, and this is the best way to support our content, is on Patreon. Um, it's linked in the show notes. Um, there are heaps of really cool tiers on our Patreon. You can be a space cadet. You can be a lieutenant commander or there's a bunch of different cool like levels that you can get to but the top tier you can be a space commander yourself and Mm. receive some really cool perks including playing with us um in games every month even possibly suggesting a podcast topic for us to discuss and speaking of the space commander tier we'd like to personally thank Fletcher Cutting for supporting us. We really, really appreciate it. You're the best. You are absolutely the best. And thank you again to Palms Off Gaming for sponsoring this podcast. They're creating some awesome uh, trading card accessories like boxes, sleeves, binders. Their pink one that they've just released looks awesome. I yeah. think that, the, that pink binder, the color is just, it's like bubblegum. It's if, gorgeous. If you want to bling out your collection, if you're that kind of player, I reckon Palms Off is like explicitly for you. They're definitely like a go all out. I know that a lot of their, mm. their products fit top loaders. That's kind of like a bit of a They have a top loader binder. Yeah. That if you're a collector, they're if the people to go if to. If you want to bling out, they're definitely the way to go. So you can check them out at palmsoffgaming.com.au. Okay, that's that's the bulk of it, but it is tradition to mm. planeswalk out of magic and into somewhere else. I believe it's your turn, James. Where, where are we planeswalking to this time? We are going to planeswalk to my parents' basement. Oh. Yeah. We've got some, some like, old childhood photos of me in there. Uh, okay. Some, some, you know, paint that was used to paint could, the walls. We could smell that. Uh, but more interestingly, we have my drum kit okay. in my parents' That's basement. That's a relief. I was, I was really <laughs> thought you were going to be pulling out the jumper cables. I was not feeling good. Oh, that's, that's a terrifying yeah. image. <laughs> no, my, my, um, my dad and I, when I was, oh, how old would I have been? I would have been like 17. Um, we have this like weird space under our house. Um, that's kind of like a basement, but not like a typical American basement where you access it from inside the house. You have to go outside and kind of go round and underneath. Oh, your place is on a hill. It is. Hey, so it's, it's like, like yeah. built into the hill. Sure. It's bizarre. This but... is kind of the weird thing you get when you build on a hill where like you, you sort of like build the house and start going backwards and then you're like, well... There's a big empty space underneath the house now. <laughs> we have to put some kind of like support structure yeah. for the house. Otherwise it's going to fall in. My, um, my dad, when he was uh, renovating our childhood home, um, we were also building on a hill and he realized at one point, oh, if I just elevate the extended part of the house by five stairs, I can fit a whole level underneath. 
So he did. Nice. <laughs> a way to get two extra rooms. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. But in this in this space, we used to have motorbikes um, stacked up there when I used to race motocross. Right. But when we sold all the motorbikes and I stopped doing motocross, the space was empty for a long time. And that was really when I started playing in bands. Um, right. And I used to store my drum kit in like a, like a storage space with my band. Um, and then I realized, oh my God. I have a studio oh, under the house. Cool. So me and your and my, dad plays drums as well, right? He d- he does, and he he was the one that got me into drumming oh, all those cool. years ago. So my dad and I both invested in soundproofing insulation. Cool. We invested in some like really cool blackout curtains, a um a big Union Jack rock and roll style flag on the back <laughs> wall. I put in some fairy lights, and um it became like our underground drum studio. Cool. Um and recently I went back to my parents' place um just to have dinner with them and I was like oh you know what I've not done in a really long time not got behind the drum kit and I drummed so I recently got back behind the drum kit and honestly like I play the drums very rarely now but like it's big part of my like I have a tattoo um, that says R-L-R-R, which... is a paradiddle, right? Yes. Nice one. Nice memory for You've it. told me many yes. times. <laughs> well, uh, the best comment that I've ever got with this R-L-R-R, because it's a paradiddle, which is right, left, right, right, which yes. is the kind of the way you play it with your hands. So you play mm-hmm. right hand, left hand, right hand, right hand. Yeah. The best comment I ever got was, does it mean one in four people are left-handed? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I've got a statistic on my... Um, yes, I make sure that the left-handed awareness is spread. He actually stuffed up. I really wanted him to, to write 2, 5, and then the percent sign. But he <laughs> stuffed up really badly. <laughs> but yeah, look, drumming has been like such a big part of my life for such a long time. Like, I used mm. to play in bands. I used to... Um, I played shows in Melbourne. Yeah. Um, it used I... to be, like, my after-school activity. Mm. But I very rarely do it now. Obviously, like, living in an apartment, it's a bit hard to have a drum kit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but also, yeah, it's, it's just a hard thing to fit in. But I realised it's such a... Um, meditative thing for me. Very cathartic, I Yeah, imagine. well, you know yeah. how you meditate in the morning and mm. you take, like, a good while to kind of come to collect your thoughts for the day and get ready? Yeah. Drumming is, like, for me, the at the end of the day, how to empty all those thoughts out of your mind mm. to then relax into the night. And not because I play, like, metal and I play a lot of jazz, they're very... Um, physical yes. exercise, like very tiring. Like I'm sweating buckets. Yeah. Um, and it tires me out. And I've never slept better than after a two-hour drumming session with Dad, and just feeling bliss. My dad uh, actually calls drumming meditating on a drum stool. Ah, uh, that's yeah. beautiful. Well, anyone who has played Commander with you in person knows that you're drumming all over the table. So I'm glad that you're spending at least some of that time drumming on drums. <laughs> Actual drum kit. That's true. <laughs> I apologize for all the tables that I'm tapping on or the legs that no, are bouncing under the table. It's endearing. It's definitely I'm glad. Endearing. I'm glad. I do tap on the, the Commander table quite you a lot. You do though. a lot. I'm wondering if my play mat along the edge is just going to get worn Ooh. because my... Or your, or your basic lands at the very bottom are just going to have <laughs> just, little <laughs> ring marks on the side I knew there's a reason why I have to replace my sleeves <laughs> all the time <laughs> alright right, commander players that's all I reckon that's it from us but we'll see you next week for another episode of Get Commander Podcast woohoo